0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Good afternoon, Podcast Detroit. This is Liz Reed, your host with Liz Life Guru. I am here with my guest host, Julie Hayes. Hey, Julie. Hey there. (laughs) Excited to be here. I am so awesomely excited to be here. I want to give a shout out to Rocky Wallace and our lead-in song, Head Rush, off her new CD, Love Like Destruction. And I don't know if you know, Julie, but um, she just came out with a new YouTube video on it. Did you see it? Oh, no, we haven't. It's awesome. Okay, great. It's up on YouTube, so check that out. We also want to give a little shout out to the girls of the Nooner Show, Jackie, Rocky, and Nora, some good friends of ours. That if it weren't for them, I don't think I'd be here Mm -hmm. right now. Right on, huh? Yes. Um, anyways, uh we have a quick disclaimer that we'd like to go over real quick. Uh the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace treatment or diagnosis by a qualified mental health professional, which by the way is me, your resident guru, Liz Reed. <laughs> I have an LMSW in social work. I graduated from the United uh, United States from U of M Michigan. <laughs> Close I, like, enough. Close right. Enough. What the heck? And, and Michigan State, although I am a Wolverine, so don't ever forget that that, right? Uh, Yeah, I am here. But uh, we're here to talk about a lot of different things um, that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of different patients. Julie is a former patient of mine suffering from anxiety and depression, and now a dear good friend and my co host and I'm so happy you're back with us again today. Aww, thank you. Our second show. woo Oh, my God, our second All show. Right. And you know what? The first one was so well-received. It has mm-hmm. really been a blessing. This is like I was saying in the car. Uh, this is uh, something that I never thought would ever happen in my life. It was the crescendo, and I've hit it. So I don't even you know where the hell to go from here, right? <laughs> okay. One of these days, I won't be able to fit my head through the door. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I try to keep my ego to a minimum, right? Oh. Anyways, we have a great show today. I have a former patient... Good friend here with us today. Her name is Michelle. Um, Michelle and I have been through a lot together, haven't we, Michelle? Yes. Yes. We've (laughs) been there and done that. I met Michelle approximately, what do you think, Michelle, maybe
0: five years ago? Five or, five,
1: or ago, yeah. uh, five or six years ago. Five or six years ago, yeah. Five or six years ago. Michelle, at the time when I met her, was suffering from uh, something that is near and dear to me and many other people that I treat, um, sexual abuse by a family member. Okay? This is something that we don't often talk about. It's something that is very dark, uh, very uh, f- upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of women don't talk about it, speak to other people about it, because this will take down the family. This is the dreaded fear. So also, and in many cases, people will block out what has gone on. And they don't remember until many years later what the perpetrator actually did to them. <coughs> So um, Julie has a lot of background that she has written down on um, and research on child molesters, pedophilia, and predators, and what goes on and how we can implement this into our story today. One of the things that we do know is 90% of children that are molested are molested by a family member or somebody they know real well. Mm, yes, right, Julie? That's so true. Yeah, and what
2: I didn't realize is this is a huge epidemic, huge yeah. silent epidemic. Very much so. One in four girls. Yep, One in six boys before their 18th birthday. And this is just stuff that's reported. Absolutely. So, you know, really, we don't know the true statistics.
1: Yep, absolutely. I have a current patient right now. It has been passed down. Her grandfather was molesting her mother. He molested her and all of her siblings. And um, now he was in, excuse me, and then he went on to molest her her children. So it is a family secret that is mm-hmm. deep and dark that a lot of people don't want to talk about. But we have a lot to cover today. Um, Michelle is a little nervous, rightly so, but she's a good buddy. I'm here to help you, Michelle, and anything you need. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to talk a little bit about how did this kind of start? What happened? And, um, you know, you came from a great home, right? You were yes. raised originally in Detroit and then moved to Madison Heights, to Madison Heights. Okay. And, and um, so what, how did, Slowly but surely, what happened with you? Where were you living when this started?
0: Well, first I lived in Detroit, and I was molested by my mom's best friend's husband. Okay. Not raped. Mm -hmm. just He would put his hand in my pants. Yes. And that went on for, I believe, two years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, to introduce the guy that did this to me. I'm not going to use a name because he doesn't deserve to have a name. I understand that. That's acceptable. Uh, One time when I was at uh, my mom's girlfriend's, she lived three doors away, and the police came to the door. Yes. And my mom had said, go upstairs with Mike. Okay. And so I did. And Mm -hmm. while I was up there, he put me on top of him, and it was the first time I ever had felt a man.
1: Yes. Yes. And
0: uh-huh. we did that. And I said, I'm going to tell on you. Yes. And as I'm walking back to the doorway, he had a shotgun on me. Okay, so I never told. Okay,
1: and and this in prior to that, was he, he was he was fondling you, correct? Yes. Okay, and so and this was someone you trusted. Yes, it was your mom's friend. Your mom liked him mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. his wife, right? Yes. And you were and you, last thing you suspected was that this was going to happen. Yeah, correct. What did you think after all that? After he put the gun on you, were you terrified? I was terrified.
0: Mm-hmm. I uh, I never told anyone. Yeah. And I was, yeah, it scared me so bad. And that was the last time it happened. Was it? Okay. And then, um, why the police came to the door, the person that raped me, he was, um, living with us, I think for maybe a couple of years. It's mm-hmm. hard to remember. And
1: this is a cousin,
0: correct? And this is my cousin. Okay, so cousin. we're going to fast
1: forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're living where now? Still in Madison and- Heights? Or where were you living then? In Madison Heights. Okay, and you your family had taken in a cousin for taking him in for a while, right? Yeah. And um, things didn't turn out well, and he ended up having to go to foster care because he was kind of having some anger issues and
0: so forth. Yes.
1: And then he moved back next door to you or near you, and was um, married at this point when he came back into your life.
0: Yes. When I right before we moved to Madison Heights, he came back to our house and begged. You know my family to forgive him for all the stuff he did, and I mean, as a
1: child, the things he had put them. N- through. No, as an
0: adult, as an adult. Oh,
1: okay, he was out of control then yeah, as well. And he had
0: went in the navy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then he came back yeah. and had his wife and son.
1: Yep, yep. Okay, so but nothing had occurred with him prior to that.
0: Nothing, and I he was of. a cousin,
1: correct? Yes. Okay, and you loved him. Yes, yes. And this is this is mm-hmm. one of the things that Julie, you and I, we're not going to get to everything today. We're going to get to as much as we possibly can. But Julie and I discussed this prior to now, that um, often the um, distortion that comes from molestation is especially if it's a family member, you love them. Yes, You have a deep connection to them. Um, you love their family. You don't want anything to uh, disturb your family, to interrupt your way of life, right? right. And so that kind of convolutes all of the feelings that you have about whoever you're with. Right. Wow. Okay. So go ahead mm-hmm. and tell us. So what happened the first mm-hmm. time, um, Jim came to you and started act, you know, was, you know, yeah. saw his opportunity. This is a married man now with, with three children. Kids. With three kids. And you used to babysit their kids, right? Yeah, I used to. You're about all 12 the time. years
0: old at this time? Yeah. Okay. What happened, honey? While well, we went, he told his wife that he was taking me night fishing. Our family always went fishing and stuff. And I was really excited and never uh-huh. did that before. And we went over by the Clinton River, and I'm like, where are the fishing poles? Yeah.
1: And he didn't have any. Yep. Mm-hmm. And
0: he laid a blanket down, and he said, uh, you're going to listen to me, and you're going to do this. And he took my shirt off, and he took my pants off and laid yes. me down. Uh huh. And then he started having sex.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was... Not present in my body. Yes. Yeah. I was like looking mm-hmm. at me from above. Mm-hmm. That yeah, detached. You mm-hmm. were completely.
1: De- um, you were able to detach from your own self and kind of like staring at yourself right. from above, like it's not even happening to exactly. you, right?
2: Disassociation. Disasso- absolutely. Yeah. Disassociation. Boy, I've read a lot about that, and, and that makes sense. It's yes. a Defense mechanism. It is
1: the brain. Um, I want to interject this real quick. Disassociation is the way the brain can protect itself mm-hmm. from you literally losing it, losing mm-hmm. your mind. Um so one of the things that it does, excuse me, in in order to help you cope, the brain will process different bits of if- information and put them in different parts of your brain. So often when somebody after ha- has sexual abuse or a trauma occur and they go to the police department and they start asking you questions even right mm-hmm. after the incident has occurred, you can't remember. Because that's the brain's way of helping you deal with the trauma. So exactly. you'll say, I think he had this on. I think he had that. And they're like, you're lying. You're lying. Ugh. No. That's how trauma processes mm-hmm. in the brain. And then bits and pieces, as you'll talk about later, honey, start coming back, right? Yes. Then you start to remember. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So you went fishing. This was your fac- first sexual interaction with him. And you were about yes. 12 years old. Yes. What, what did what on went on after that, honey?
0: I was very nervous all the time. And mm-hmm. he had told me that he would kill my mom and dad.
1: Yep. So I never told. It's typical. Mm-hmm. And
0: he was much larger than me. He was 28 and he weighed about 300 pounds. Yeah. And I was 12 and oh. I weighed about 100 pounds. Yeah. Physically intimidating. Yes. hmm And he went on from there and did different things. I would go over there to babysit and he'd come in. I would hear him having sex with his wife. Yes. And then after she went to sleep, he would come out and grab me and drag me into the bathroom and have me give him a blowjob or oh, goodness. or sex or whatever sure, he sure, did. Sure, sure, And I used to always pretend I was sleeping, and mm-hmm. he would just have to drag me in there. Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, mm-hmm. at that point, you knew it was wrong, obviously. Yes. But he had you convinced that... Um, he would kill your parents. Right.
0: And when I saw him with the police, you know, when I was younger, that really certified it for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And um, so when he
1: was, when you were around your family and he was around your family and everything was quote unquote normal or nothing was going on, was he an engaging, fun uncle, a nice person, a good person to be around? Oh, my cousin. Oh, cousin, excuse me. Yes.
0: yeah, you know, I really loved him, and I mm-hmm. really thought he cared about me. He would tell me, "Yes, I'm doing this because I love you." Yeah, yes. typical, um, right, Julie? Right? Oh, mm-hmm. so yeah. typical. Yep. He said yeah. he'd divorce his wife and marry me if he could. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Sure. A twelve-year-old,
1: old little wow. girl. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely.
0: And so then, when
1: did it start to
0: escalate? When my mom went in the hospital to have a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. and my dad worked afternoons. I stayed overnight next door, mm-hmm. and but he would come like in the afternoon after school to check on me,
1: Yes, and
0: he brought a friend. And... Oh,
1: goodness. He brought somebody else to the party, right? Yes. Okay. Um, this is something else that I wanted to talk about as well, Julie. You, I mentioned this to you. Pedophiles like to travel in packs. Hmm. It's amazing how they're able to find other pedophiles, but they have this way that they can, I don't know, it's kind of a... I don't, I don't know how they do it. I've treated pedophiles before. I've worked with them on the on the behavioral health unit after they've attempted suicide. But um, they find each other. They hunt together. They groom together. They do all this stuff together. It's amazing how they're able to do that.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why this man wouldn't call the police.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, so he what, would do
0: it, and then the guy would do it, his friend. Oh, goodness. How long did that go on for? Um it was twice. Mhm. And then um but he came every day and did that to me. While um, your mom was having the hysterectomy? Yeah. She was in for I think 5 days.
1: Yeah. Okay. And you would have to face his wife and his children and act like nothing was going on. Exactly. And
0: I have no siblings and his mm-hmm. wife was I was so close to her and loved her so much. Yep. Yep. And that's why I'd go over there, too, because I got to spend time with her. Mm-hmm. See, that is a
1: sad, convoluted part about all this. You love these people.
0: Yeah. Right, right.
1: Yep. That's what's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. You love them. You didn't understand, you know, uh, You know why this would be happening to you with people that actually cared and loved you. Yes. Yep. That's and I
0: thought I was the only person on the face of the earth that this happened to.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, and And, you know, they like to keep it that way. Yeah. they like to keep it that way that you don't you know so that you don't tell anyone
0: right and then uh, we went for a ride one day and he took me to this other man's house and he had sex with me and then his friend had sex with me and when his friend come in the room he says as you can see I'm not circumcised and I thought oh, I boy. didn't even look at him and I thought oh my god it's like I feel like a hooker or something sure oh. how old were you at that point honey I was 12. 12 years old? Yes. And
1: what kind of thought pattern did you have at that time? I know he made you do many disgusting things that were, you know.
0: I was very confused a lot, and I ended up going in the hospital for two weeks. It was back when they would just put you in for testing. Sure, sure. I had every test there was, Mm -hmm. and, you know, nothing showed. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was because of what was happening to me, yes. and we and you know you've heard of
1: psychosomatic um symptoms, yes. and that's exactly what you were having. The symptoms that of your body, uh, the symptoms of what was going on with you and what was happening to you and how you were hurting and feeling um were come manifesting in actual physical illness. Yes, we see this with depression, right? Oh, you yeah. see this with no, anxiety. Really. It mm-hmm. carries over into many
0: different things, yes. absolutely. I've had anxiety all my life, yep, but it's better. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Yes. It 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 does the, get better. The more I talk about it, the better it gets. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. So, where did it so what happened from there? Oh, one time he took me down in the crawl space and my parents were upstairs and it was an old house. It was like a cave underneath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And asked me to come down to hold the flashlight mm-hmm. and then had sex with me there with my parents upstairs. Wow. He was really pushing it, huh? Yes, it was. Yeah, I think he got off on it. Sure, sure. And then one time we were having dinner at the table with his wife and himself and the children Mm -hmm. and my mom and dad and me. And he was rubbing his foot up and down my leg with my parents there. Yes. And I just kept kicking him. And Mm -hmm. then I I moved further away.
1: Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And did you ever talk to him about it at all? Or were you too frightened to even say
0: anything to him? I never talked to him about it ever. Uh Uh-huh he would talk he would yeah he would roll well, just saying you know that it's because he loved me and all this crap
2: yeah right justifying yep. it you know normalizing it like oh this yeah. is this is just what we do
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I had such a hard time because i did love him yes oh, boy. Mm-hmm.
1: and you know i don't know if any of you watched the recent documentary on leaving neverland about michael jackson but it was interesting incredible what um, how he groomed those little boys. Well, I'm, I am I am going to say I'm going to blame the parents a lot in this situation because they knew he these children were going and getting in his bed and spending oh. the night with him for like weeks on end. Wow. I mean, wow. he's yeah, exactly. a 35-year-old man with an 8-year-old. Yeah. I Yeah, that always unbelievable. I, that's not normal, yeah. uh, no, no matter how you slice it, right? Yeah, uh, that made me
0: sick <laughs> when I heard that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And those boys, you know, are really suffering now, but people don't believe them. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things, you know, a lot of people don't believe them and they feel that they're alone. You yeah. felt alone. You yeah. were a single child. You were an, an only child. Um and, and that it added to the fear, you know, who am I going to tell? And I'm sure also you thought maybe you would possibly be disappointing your parents, did you? Yes. If they knew. Do
0: yes. you agree with that? Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. And <clears throat> that's distorted, right? Oh
2: yeah, there's a shame element. Yeah, even though it's not your fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It yeah. went on for a year and a half to 2 years. Uh-huh. Wow. And um I was 6 months pregnant with my son. Mhm. And there was a show on something about Amelia. Yeah. And I was watching that and that's when I remembered. Started remembering. Mhm. That's a trigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I cried for 3 days. And I told my husband and he was so close. Oh, I should say that uh, this person was the best man at our wedding. He yep. fixed up my husband and I, mm-hmm. and he wanted control. I used to go to the bar, and my the drummer lived next door to my grandma, so, you know, it was just fun. I didn't drink or anything, just dance and had fun, Yeah, and he didn't like that.
1: Well, he was jealous. Yes. He was jealous, and, and so— um, you know, he he encouraged you to meet your husband, right? Right.
0: Yes, he had called me, at, or actually, he was at our house, and he got him on the phone, and he said, "Here he is. I want you to go out with him." Hmm. Hmm. And have my parents had him over for dinner, and he was nothing like him. Yeah, uh, his name is Randy. He was a really good
1: person. Okay. And then, um, and he became friends with Randy. Yes. Okay. And so then- they both worked together. Okay, they did? Okay. So then he was able to um, uh, become good friends with him. And and at this point then, he wasn't molesting you. He wasn't coming over, getting near you. How old were you at that time? Um, Nineteen. 19 years old? Yeah. Okay. So there was a time that after, so up till this point, till you were 19, you don't rem- you didn't remember what was going on? Absolutely nothing. Okay. You had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. But then there was an occasion when he came to your house while your husband yes. was at work. What happened then? Yes.
0: He came over and I was laying on the floor reading a magazine and I didn't know why he came over and he dragged me in the bathroom and made me give yeah. him a blow job. And all I was thinking was, this is adultery, you yeah, know, yeah. and I felt so bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I forgot again.
1: Then you forgot again. Yes. Once again, the brain's way of helping you through a traumatic situation.
0: Yes. Mm. Uh-huh. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is amazing. So, okay, so when you first started remembering, um, what, 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 did, what occurred to you? What did you think you needed to do? I mean, you cried for three days. Did you know you had to tell? What, did,
0: what, what, no. what went on? My biggest fear was telling, mm-hmm. but I had to tell my husband because I could not be around him anymore. We saw them almost every weekend wow. and everything oh. and did stuff together, and it hurt me so bad because I was so close to his wife, and it it killed me, you know, to know I was never going to see her again, and, mm-hmm. I, and I knew I hurt her, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't be around him, and I wanted to protect my son.
1: Yes, oh, absolutely. And that's the other thing you if you know, if they're going to sexually assault you, they're going to sexually assault your children if they have the opportunity. Wow. right. Mm-hmm. you know, we had talked a little bit, um we glazed over grooming. um, Julie, what you had some information on grooming and uh, they and what they also said about grooming is the number one thing is they target children that are lonely and isolated, correct? Right, children who are at
2: risk and they really befriend them and show them a lot of attention and compliment them. Yeah, so, and another thing I wanted to mention is, you know, there's a stereotypical um, image of what a molester is, you know, like a man driving around in a van. And again, like we were just talking about, no, it's someone you usually trust and, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. love. Yeah, Yeah. so uh, with grooming, you know, this can be a very um, long drawn out um, process you know sometimes you know they do uh, an, an abuser will do anything to kind of desensitize the child by showing them inappropriate things um, trying to normalize behavior yeah you know I'm like in your case like well, I love you, that's why I'm doing this absolutely know? and even like um you know, tickling and you know doing things like that more subtle. Which yeah. It, Michelle, in your case, it wasn't very subtle, but in some cases, you know, it it doesn't may not it may not feel like abuse, especially this this is, happens more with a younger victim where they really don't know a lot of things yet, and where the person you know tells them, "Oh, this is normal. This is what sure. you do." Sure. And they believe them. I mean, even though it doesn't feel right, but you know, they'll end up like, oh, okay.
1: Sure. And you know, I think about, I think back to when I was a little girl. God, I was so young. How old was I? Seven, six or seven. My sister, who's 16 years older than I was, her first husband, I, I was, I had a mad crush on him. Mm. I was crazy about him. All I ever used to say, I don't mean to make light of this, but all I ever used to say is, I'm going to grow up and get big boobs and take you away from my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when, when I, I was, Liz. then when I was older, when I was like 20s, <laughs> like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's a that's a family joke forever and ever and ever. But what if he had been a a perpetrator? Mm -hmm. He could have taken advantage of that right then and there, right? Could have, right? Yeah, absolutely. That would have been horrible. Mm -hmm. It would have been horrible. But you know, I wouldn't. Lots of little girls have crushes on older men. Yes, you know, they're enamored. You know, they think they're good-looking and mm-hmm. they're, you know, cool, you know, those kinds of things. That's how we see, you know, a lot of times, we were talking about this also, peer-to-peer um sexual abuse yes. that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it happened to me when I was a little girl. There was a little boy who lived next door that used to take me over there and take my clothes off. Say so we were playing doctor, and I didn't know any better. I think he was a couple of years older than I was. So I was like, okay. You know, and I would end up nude, wandering around the front. No, and my mom's oh my like, goodness. what the <laughs> heck is going on? Get your oh, clothes no. on. What's happening? You know, but, you know, in those days... They slapped your hand, you know, and said, you know, that's something you shouldn't be doing, but I, it wasn't right. my fault. I hadn't done anything wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And nobody
0: talks about it. Nobody right. talks about right. it. And so that's true. an
1: interesting point. My husband and I were talking about this yesterday. And uh, when he was a young man, his his parents had a lot of money. They were at a very wealthy friend's farm out in the country. And in the, in the, in the farmer had a, the, the man who owned the place had a big tractor, a huge tractor. And my husband had brought uh, one of his buddies with him. They were both about 11 or 12 years old. And they, he said, oh, you know, Uncle so-and-so is going to take you for a tractor ride. You know, come on, boys, let's go. And Scott jumped on with his buddy. And they are like, yeah, this is going to be a blast, right? Well, as soon as they were out of eyesight of everybody, the man started fondling him, grabbing him around the crotch Mm. and hanging on to him. Well, Scott jumped off and almost broke his neck jumping off this huge tractor. It was one with the big, huge wheels. His friend couldn't get away from him. But Scott ran, ran to his mother in the house and said, this man, their friend, is, is you know, grabbing me. He's grabbing my, my private areas, my crotch or whatever, to his mother, and his mother just grabbed him by the arm and pinched him as hard as she could and dug her nails in him and said, "Don't you ever say that again!" Wow, that is shocking. Yeah, I can't, and,
2: I can't even yeah. imagine. What, yeah, what do you do with that kind of response? Wow. I know, <laughs> I know.
0: Nothing was said. I was always worried wow. that someone wouldn't believe me when I finally told. Uh huh. Yeah, sure. And then what if he did kill your family? You know,
1: (laughs) you know, what if he, you know, you know, if the last guy was wandering around with a gun threatening to shoot you right at the top of the stairs in front of everybody? Yes, that could they could see, obviously. But you know, why wouldn't you believe that could happen? Yes, it's frightening.
0: And when I was in ninth grade, he had me told me to go to school and find a pretty girl and wanted me to bring the girl to him. Oh, Oh, boy. And that's the thing I did ask somebody, and that's the thing I was most ashamed of my whole life. Why, honey? Because I didn't want to do that to her, and I didn't want that to happen. Of course not. Of course not. But the thing of
1: it is, is that... um, When they have you convinced that something like this is, like you're saying, normalized, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you know this is, you're frightened, you're frightened for your own life, you're frightened that something's going to happen to you, you're, you'll do anything to alleviate your trauma. Maybe bring somebody else into it. It's an innocent
0: thing. It's
1: an innocent thing. Thank
0: God she said no.
1: Yes, thank God she said no. Right. Yes. Um. Did he ask more than once about that? No.
0: Okay. I told him,
1: I said, I'm not asking anybody else. Yeah,
0: yeah. I felt so bad.
1: Absolutely. And you know, uh, in the majority of the patients that I see, I would say at least 85% of the females have been sexually molested in some way, shape, or form. Either fondled, felt to be extremely uncomfortable, and I'm not talking about Joe Biden putting your hands on your shoulders. I'm talking about actual... Part you know problems that made them and in, in in situations where people said something to them and made them feel uncomfortable, yes. or they had sex with them, or they were forced to do something they did not want to do.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Long-term effects, huh? You oh, know? absolutely. With, <clears throat> with, with
1: without a doubt, yes. it's it says says in the statistics that over uh, eight hundred and fifty-seven
0: thousand
1: registered pedophiles wow. in the United States right now. Wow.
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot. My son told me about one was in his neighborhood. He says he's a registered sex offender. And mm-hmm. I yelled my head out the window. My son was so embarrassed. I said, you're lucky you're still alive.
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're a little hostile about that, I would imagine, right? Yes. The FBI reports that 10% of sex crimes are never reported. I believe that. Uh, you know, uh, and, and um, 10%, excuse me. I apologize. Only ten percent are ever reported. I was going to say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. Yes, I knew what you meant. Yep, yep, ever reported, and because people are too frightened of what might happen. Wow, yes,
0: especially if the parents, you know, don't believe them. I think that's horrible. Mm -hmm. It's not a good parent.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward after um,
0: your last episode with Jim, what went when it went on from there? Um, Well, I had told him that. You're not touching me anymore, or I'm gonna tell. I just couldn't take it anymore. And then after that, you know, I didn't remember anything. We, you know, visit all the time, my parents and them and me, and mm. and then I met my best friend Sandy in tenth grade. And she's helped me through this more than I'm alive because of her.
1: Yes. Sandy's always been really, really good to you. Yes. She's a good woman. I've met her. I enjoy her company. She's a great lady. She's a really good lady. She is.
0: And so, uh, go uh, ahead, honey. It's all right. Also, she would go visit with us over there, Uh and she always thought he made her feel creepy. Mm. Uh And she calls that the creep factor. Yep. Yes. And I still don't
1: have it. Mm -hmm. You just never felt creepy about him? No. No?
0: I loved him. Yes, absolutely. You know, and sometimes some things feel good, and that makes me more ashamed than anything, too.
1: Yes, that's definitely something that I want to bring up. This is especially difficult for uh, any abuse survivor is that sexual trauma in a lot of ways feels good. Yeah. Um, a lot of my patients have had orgasms what, during sexual trauma. Um, and then they're, which is the body's defense mechanism against the pain. and Mm -hmm. along with the disassociation but a lot of people feel you know like what is wrong with me what kind of sick pervert am i to think you know be enjoy this or think this is fun Mm -hmm. i've also had patients that have sought out their sexual predator to have sex with them or to uh, any fondling or what might go on because they enjoyed it yes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that is the stuff that really messes them up later on in life yes
0: right i'm I'm lucky compared to some people because I don't remember feeling any of the penetration. Good. And I have had one experience. I was watching something on TV and this woman was being raped. Um, and it made me remember him doing this doggy style to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I felt the searing pain yeah. when I remembered. Yeah. Wow. That's the only time I've remembered the pain.
1: Yep. It brought back um, a, a flashback of that. Yes. Mm.
0: It's the body and the mind
1: are amazing, but the trauma just, you know, yes. doesn't, but doesn't go away. So, how did you, okay, so when did you finally tell your parents?
0: Okay, my dad never knew. Mm-hmm. I was my dad's little girl, and there was no way he was ever going to know this about me. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And um, I had to go in the hospital. Actually, he died. He, he, uh, Jim died? The yes. The perpetrator. Mm-hmm. Yes. He uh, had had a stroke. And my mom made me go to the hospital, you know, because she didn't understand why I wasn't seeing him. And they had left the room to talk to the doctor, and I was in there alone, and I could see his catheter, and I just wanted to pull it out. I bet you did. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then he went home and was paralyzed from the neck down for two years, and then he died. Mm -hmm. And we went to the funeral. I didn't want to go. My mom kept asking me to go. Mm -hmm. And I saw his wife and children just crying so much and i felt it was all my fault because i would pray to god that he would die yeah, yeah. and i thought it was my fault he died sure and i took their dad away and her husband away mm-hmm. and i went directly to the doctor from the funeral and i said you have to give me some kind of tranquilizers and i told her what happened uh-huh. and she sent me to a therapist and then he sent me to a psychiatrist <laughs> And I was put in Havenwick Hospital, mm-hmm. and that's when I had to tell my mom because she had to watch my kids. I had two boys. Yes, and it was the most horrible thing to do. She, I called my mom and I asked her to come over, and I said, "Don't bring my dad." Mm-hmm. And she came over, and when she came over, I physically couldn't speak. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and so she called Sandy, and Sandy came over, and Sandy told me to write it down okay and and I wrote down that he raped me, and my mom let out the loudest scream oh, you can boy. imagine that must and I, yes, and I ran in my room around the back of the bed, and I was in a fetal position in the corner in the floor
1: mhm mhm and what and what went on from there with the family?
0: um I went in the hospital, and you know she never told my dad mhm and uh.
1: So a couple of different times, though, during this, you felt suicidal. Yes. Tell me about feeling suicidal. What was that all about?
0: I didn't want to feel it anymore. I just wanted to die. Mm -hmm. And I had my kids, and I didn't want to leave them. But I had tried to commit suicide a couple times. Pills? Pills. And uh, one drinking and pills. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And so, um, Julie, you can understand that, not wanting to be on planet Earth any longer, oh, correct?
2: Yeah, it's it's just this, for some reason, it's just this feel, feeling that you are never going to get better, and you just feel really hopeless. Yeah, no, I can relate. And, you know, again, I, the, the guilt kind of factors in here, like you were just saying, you know, you have children. Well, yeah, I have children, too, and I love yeah. them dearly, and my whole life revolves around them. But, again, it's this distortion of thinking where, yeah, I'm... Better off, you know. Yeah, they're better yeah, off. They're better off. Yeah, yep. it's it's um it's a strange place to be. In, it is a strange yes.
1: place to be. How did you end up on the psych ward, honey? Twice. Um, three times. Three times. Yeah. How, what 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 was what was going on? What were what were the symptoms that were manifesting for others to know possibly?
0: Well, I was hallucinating. Ah, hallucinating. And the hallucinating started after I told my mom because mm. I was never supposed to tell. And I could just see him, his face in the room, laughing at me. And then later on in my kids' room, I was in there with them while they were sleeping, and I could see his face, and he was all angry at me for telling. And when I was in the hospital, one time I woke up, and he was standing at the foot of my bed. Okay. Okay. Okay,
1: and And, so they put you on different medications to help with that? Did they help
0: at all? Did the medications help? Not really, not till later on in my life. I'm on better medicine now. Okay. But they had me go to the cemetery to confront him. Yeah. And Sandy, of course, came and got me Mm -hmm. and took me. Mm -hmm. And it was in the middle of winter, and the ground was very hard. And I was jumping up and down and swearing everything at him. And I dug a little hole where I thought his mouth would be. Yeah. And I kept spitting in it and spitting in it because he had made me swallow his sperm so many times. Yeah. I wanted to try to get even. You know, I know that you told
1: me that many years after that, and these are triggers that I've discussed with Julie before that are triggers for many people. I know that you were sitting in a restaurant somewhere and some man sat down with the same cologne on.
0: Yes. I had to get up and leave. I threw up.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was how many years later? Gosh, 20 or something? 20 or 30. Yeah, that's a, isn't that amazing how long that right. will stick in your brain? Yeah. yeah. Like if somebody asked you right now, what cologne did you wear? You'd be like, I have no idea. But as soon as you smell it, you were like, Jim. Yeah. Jim, get me out of here. I'm going to be physically ill. Yes. Mm. Yep. That's how triggers work. We discount triggers. When I talk to patients about triggers, it's like you have to be aware of your triggers. You have to be aware. With my heroin addicts, you know what one of the biggest triggers for them is? Uh, the 8-mile road sign on the expressway. No. Yeah, or Pontiac. Oh, my gosh. Or all the big drug areas, Mm -hmm. right? There are certain things. That's what I'll say when you go to your house, change everything around, the tables that you used to do your dope on, things like that, move all that stuff around, get you know any bottles that are in the house, redecorate. We've talked about that. All that stuff is super important. But that's a trigger that you can't help because you didn't plan on that happening. But look at the incredible effect that had on you.
0: Yes, and when my mom died, We went there, and she invited us over for dinner, his wife, Mary. Mm -hmm. And when I got onto the porch, the panic started. Did it. And his son, I used was so close to those kids, you know. Yeah. And he hadn't seen me in so long, and he came out and grabbed me and tipped me back and kissed me. Yeah. And I was just freaking out. And then I ran in the bathroom, and of course, that's where a lot of stuff happened. yes. And I just had the biggest panic attack, and, and I just couldn't wait to get out of there.
1: I'll bet. I'll bet. And
0: and so by the time I met you, what was going on? I was very depressed. Okay. Extremely depressed. I wasn't on the right medicine. Um, it was hard to go through every day. And I had uh, first time in my whole life I lived alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I had gotten divorced. Yeah. Yep. There
2: you go. Isolation. Yep. My, When my
0: kids left me there with my stuff, I just ran on the bed and just cried my eyes out. I was so afraid to be alone. Sure. Now, I'm happy to be alone. No (laughs) one can tell me what to do.
1: Yeah. It's great. Sure. That's wonderful. But it takes time for that to happen, right? It sure did. So what led you to me? What what, what did you want to accomplish when I I met you?
0: I was suicidal again. Yes. And I just needed help. Yeah. And I found the right person. Thank you, honey. That's yes. very sweet of you no, to No, it's a
1: truth. That's wonderful. I re- recommend you to anybody. <laughs> Thank you, honey. People are going to think I'm paying you guys to <laughs> right. say this stuff. Vanessa.
0: You fixed no. me. The
1: guru. <laughs> yeah. No, I. So, for our audience that um, is struggling with this, that wants yes. help, um, what would you suggest? What kind of therapist would you suggest they find? I mean, what was the most so, helpful for you the, that I did with you? Because I, I can't think off the top of my head. You, yes, you have to tell me. Well,
0: you were very gentle with me. Good. And
1: <laughs> you were very open, and uh-huh. that
0: was, I think, the biggest thing. I could say anything to you, and I trusted you. Okay. That's and good. you never made me feel bad about it. Wonderful.
1: Okay. I like yes. that. <laughs> I like hearing that. Absolutely. Well, I think that, you know, sometimes we can meet some bad therapists. Can we agree on that? <laughs> yes. I, yes, we I, can. Many or in med- my life
2: are nice and mediocre. Right? Nice and mediocre
1: <laughs> or um judgmental or maybe a little too demanding. Or more like a robot. Yeah. Exactly. What were we talking about in the car? What did what did somebody's therapist say? Oh, I can't tell you anything about me? What? Yes. Right.
2: I asked, had asked a therapist one time if she had <laughs> ever had any previous uh, experience with depression, and she said, I am not allowed to uh, talk about my personal life. <laughs> yes, and that happened uh, to me.
0: Did it really? Yeah, I asked her some a couple of personal questions, sure. and she just said, nope, I can't discuss it.
1: Okay, well, I would have failed that miserably <laughs> because I'm an open book. This is true, <laughs> yes. And I think that you you can't help your patients if you can't relate, right? Right. Mm-hmm. There's certain things you have to be able to re- relate to them with. Yeah. and I that's mean, how
0: I felt so comfortable with you.
1: Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And then, and we, and it's been an on and off, uh, long road, you know. But in the beginning, when I first met Michelle, and we would talk about Jim, she could barely get his name out of her mouth. And then she was physically ill, and a few. Mm. Sometimes you've thought you were going to throw up. Yes, talking wow. about him. Yeah, it, it was. It was really hard. But we had to go with the feelings. Kind of just go with that because what happens is, is when we have a traumatic memory, when we have bad memories about somebody or our trauma, we keep stuffing and stuffing and stuffing. We use food. We use alcohol. Any kind of band aid. Shopping. Whatever it may be to keep yes. it all
0: down. I definitely used food.
1: Yes. And I used alcohol, you know, um, you didn't use anything. I don't know what's up with you down there, Julie. You're a good girl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it's going to manifest in some way, you know? So yes. it, it, um, if we keep stuffing and stuffing, we can't put the healthy pink stuff in there right. till we get the dark black stuff out under a 250 watt bulb and pick through it in all its darkness. Yes. Yeah. And that's
0: what was so hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's you don't want but to face
0: it. I lived through it and
1: absolutely. And, but also it loses its life once you start talking about it. Exactly.
0: It, I had met several friends and the same thing had happened to them. Yes. And that helped me know that I wasn't the only one. Mhm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe that I wasn't the only one. It was sad. Yep. And Oh. That's okay, honey. And that's how your perpetrator wants you to
1: feel, alone, yeah. isolated, and they're all you've got, yeah. right? Yes. Wow. Julie, what were you going to say, honey?
2: Oh, I was just going to add, talking about you know telling your story in silence, I was sure. listening to a lot of different podcasts, and I just like the way this was said or presented. It was like, it's either heal or hide. You have to make a choice. It's one or the other. You can't have both. Yes.
1: Absolutely.
2: And, um, you know, I really think it, like you were saying, it is a silent epidemic and that needs to change. Sure. You know.
1: Absolutely. I have a patient currently right now that is unwilling to face her demons. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to face her demons. She hasn't wanted to, but your patient has to go at their own pace. I can only push so far and they're not going True. to come back. Right? right. And, um, she, so she's perpetually, she's still prostituting. She's still doing mm. things to harm herself emotionally. And, um, she's in some big trouble now. It looks like she's going to do some jail time. And I said to her, listen, you know, after all this is said and done you get out of jail, we got to get down to it, girl. We, mm-hmm. it's time to get down to it and talk about what really went on in all its disgusting, dirty, ugliness. And we have, I'll sit there with you and yeah. we will that's, go through this together. But that's it's what the you the only with me. way. Yeah. It's the only way. It's the only way. It, then this trauma loses its life when it's been spoken. It has been spoken like mm-hmm. Voldemort. Right? Yeah, it is that's yeah. spoken. You're, ah, good point. Yeah, when yeah. you say it, say the words, it mm-hmm. loses its life because it silently controls you from behind, subconsciously or otherwise.
0: Yes. Mm hmm
1: and uh, a lot of people just think that if i say it if i talk about it if i say or do anything i'm going to implode i'm going to die i don't know what did you think would happen to you if you said anything michelle i
0: thought i would die yeah i actually yeah. i thought i'd be killed before he died right that's yeah i had most horrible nightmares mm-hmm. of him coming back to get me yep oh. yep yeah. and then how are the nightmares mm-hmm. now much better yeah maybe one every few months. Uh huh. Maybe not even that. And that's why you're here. Yes. As
1: to help other women. Yes. To understand that speaking the truth about what happened to you is not shameful, but yes. it is something that needs to be said. That's for your healing too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah.
0: What are we going to say, honey? If I help one person, then what I went through will be worth it.
1: Aw. That's true. It's true, sweetie. It's true. Every single word that you have said, everything that you've done is going to help somebody who has been through this because it is, it is a epidemic. It's yes. everywhere. And it's happened to probably three out of the four women sitting in this room right now. That's what statistics show. Wow. Yes. hmm In what some shape or another, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Julie, what other riveting statistics do you have over there for us?
2: Well, um, I don't have too many additional things. Um, just you know, again, that I'm. It's just so shocking what an epidemic is, and that you know the victims know their predators.
1: Well, and with and the that internet Really, too. that
2: um, you know to to have to prevent this sort of thing, I think. You know, parents in the community needs to be aware of this, that it's people who, you know, are often Cub Scout leaders or in the community or um, positions of, you know, they hold positions of authority. Now, again, I'm not, like, criticizing or, you know, Cub
1: Scout leaders, okay? Don't get me wrong. No, but
2: it definitely raised some red flags. um,
1: They really need to screen those
2: people well. You know, someone who is continuously... Um, wanting to be a chaperone for an overnight event, that might be a little bit of a red flag, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so we just have to create this awareness and have, you know, more of an open mind and really try to tune in to our kids. And then another thing is, you know, these kids at risk are kids who are home alone. And yes, you know, I get people work. I get this. You know, I understand. Yeah. But I guess there's some statistic. I don't know numbers offhand. But, mm-hmm. you know, this happens between usually three and seven. Often. Yeah. Right after school. Yeah. It's you know, the oh, Most hey, dangerous hey, hours. i will pick you up from school. Yes. You know, I mean, so it just, we, we just really need to create an awareness. What
1: were yes. you going to say, Michelle?
0: I did that with my boys. Um, <clears throat> they were 13 and 11, and they started hitting puberty, and they would hold me down and tickle me. Mm-hmm. And I'd go in the bathroom and have panic attacks. Yeah. And I finally had to explain everything to them what happened to me. Yeah. That was horrible. And, you know, at that age, they don't understand, hmm. Yeah, you yeah. Know? well, why did you still see this person? Well, that's just how it was.
1: Sure. sure. And you know what? A lot of that is like they say with women that are abused in physical relationships. Why don't you just leave? You know, why yes. Why would you ever speak to him again? Well, I don't know. He's, you know, he's a relative. I love his wife. I love his family. We're all connected. If if I say or do anything, it's going to be a major ordeal. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to disconnect and fall apart, right? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to take sides. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I believe you or I don't
2: believe you. I mean, sure. Yeah. You know, I chose it, my children. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. hmm
0: What did Randy say when he found out? First, he said, was I sure it wasn't a dream? Yeah, and oh, and finally a, a he, nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Well, he believed me, and oh, then good. that's Thank when God. I called and talked to Mary, and I said I'm so mad at Jim for some I can't even remember what reason, and we didn't see him anymore. Oh, and really? Yeah. So it's she a made says, up reason. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to tell. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And you didn't want to hurt her? No. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I still wouldn't. Well, she's deceased now, but sure. I wouldn't want to hurt her or, or the kids. Sure. And I still don't see the kids because I think it would bring up too much. Absolutely. But I care about them. I see them on Facebook. Sure. and. Sure. You know, I always think about them.
1: You know, um, we have a lot of guidelines for parents on, you know, what you should do, what to look for, or so on and so forth. But in reality, they think that applies to strangers and not within their own home. Correct. Is there anything that you could think of, Michelle, mm-hmm. that would have helped you or or that you would recommend
0: to parents to do? Always be involved. When my children were in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts, I went on every capping Camping trip with them Oh that's and a good idea I have a very bad back And I had such a hard time walking mm-hmm. And But I went ah, yeah. To make sure they were okay
1: Sure um, My first husband Now we know I had two Okay. No. <laughs> I was talking about my second husband for earlier. Uh but now my first husband when he went on his Cub Scout camping trip, there was a couple of fathers that were there Cub Scout leader fathers that were going after the boys and dragging them out in the woods and uh performing oral sex on them. They Whoa. should be shot. I know. Of course my first husband didn't say anything or tell anybody Whoa. but he took off from his tent and spent the night um in a in a tree mm. hiding under a tree or something um oh, until that's so sad. yeah there were little boys yelling and screaming wow. and all kinds of stuff so different you know, kind of survival learning their skills <laughs> Absolutely and and Boy. you know like the patient I Ugh. I have one of the patients I have right now this crosses over into um her her grandfather um, owned a candy store. Mm. That's a great segue to children, right? Yeah, yes, it is. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that gave him plenty of access.
0: Yeah. I even drove my kids to school every day. Did you? Yeah, even sure? in high school.
1: Really? Yeah. You weren't going to take a risk on a bus? No. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. If anyone would have hurt my kids, they'd be gone. Yeah. And I, I'd go to jail happily.
1: Well, you know, that's how a lot of these um sexual abuse survivors have come out and talked about it um is because they had their own children yeah. and realized that this is not going to happen to my kids and yes. I'm going to talk about what, you know, what went on with me so it doesn't happen to them.
0: Yeah. They know it still bothers me. Mhm. But not nearly as bad as it used to. It mm-hmm. has less and less control of my life always. Yep. I control it. Absolutely. And you
1: know, a lot of people um, that you see on TV or here, sitting in a podcast talking about what went on with them is what keeps them alive, keeps them sane, and keeps them feeling as though they can carry on with the rest of their life. Yes. You know, they have to talk about it in order for it not to have control over them.
0: Right. And that's what I started doing. I had people say, why are you telling me this? Because I just want to.
1: Yeah. It'll help, Mm -hmm, right? And a lot of times, you know, things we see on TV and so forth, there's a very broad brush. You know, that's why I wanted this to be open and in your face, up in your grill, right? Um, It's usually like sexual abuse, you know, sexual. Well, what does that really mean? You know, I mean, sexual abuse comes in many, many, many different ways. And sometimes I think that we think, oh, you know, maybe, you know, uncle so-and-so touched just a little bit. Maybe they shouldn't have. But no. You know, there's many cases, like in your case, where there was actual penetration. You were actually having to have oral sex with a man at 12 years old, for yes. God's sakes. One of the things we were thinking about also in talking about, for a lot of young women, it manifests in promiscuity after. And, um, well, they'll have sex with many different men after, and then others just stop, shut down, and don't have sex with anyone.
0: What, did I, that manifest in any way with you? Yeah, I think I was kind of promiscuous.
1: Yeah. For how long? Not real bad. Weren't. uh-huh, But
0: <clears throat> I had well, I had uh my first fiance mm-hmm. and that was a very sexual relationship. Okay. And then when we broke up, I had a few times in between him and my husband. Okay. And then when I got divorced, I had several times, but what I didn't understand is they were just using me for sex. Okay. They didn't want anything out of it. Yeah. And that really hurts.
1: Did you think, honey, did you think that you associated, because it started at such a young age, that you associated sex with love?
0: Yes, that's funny, because even Sandy always says that. She still says that now about me. Does she? Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. When, uh, you know, sex has absolutely nothing to do with love. Right. And after a while, it fades. One
0: time I heard her mom say that, and I was like, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, but it was distorted for you, because when you started as a child... When you came into this situation, somebody was telling you, I love you, I'm having sex with you, I love you, I'm having sex with you, and you just associated that with love. Yes. So if you're not having sex with me, you must not love me. Now,
2: I have a question. With your husband, even though you didn't remember, did you have intimacy issues? Like, I was reading something about, you know, if a person cognitively forgets, their nervous system still remembers, you know? So I didn't Mm -hmm. know if you, you were... No, we were that was an issue. We were
0: fine that way, but after I went in the hospital, I had a lot of issues. Okay, so once you kind of
2: faced it, okay, sure, that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: When my dad
0: died, I couldn't have sex because I thought my dad could see me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sure. Well, you know it had manifested and distorted into a lot Mm -hmm. of different. Psychoses for you right this is where it was going you were manifesting all kinds of situations that weren't even occurring
0: yes and before it stopped he i gave him such a hard time and he told me that my father wasn't my father and that messed my head so bad
1: and that's what they do honey they, they count on messing with you. So when all the other tactics don't work anymore, mm-hmm. you know, when they start losing mm-hmm. out on they have to start going for the Mac daddies, the stuff that's really going to get you and really hurt you to get you back yeah. where you belong. So I would assume that probably around this time you're starting to resist. Yes. And he didn't like it. Right. So he wh- whipped out whatever he could figure yeah. that would really cut the, cut you to the quick.
0: Yes. I, uh, for three days, I was just like in a daze and I kept looking at my dad and everything and feeling so bad. Yeah. And I and the third day I decided, you know, this is my father, no matter what he says, this is my father.
1: Sure. Yeah. And how would he know, right? right? But you're not thinking rationally right like that at no, all. No, you're not. No. You're thinking irrationally. You're thinking how painful all this is and where how am I gonna come back from this? Yeah. How do, what does it look like trying to find relationships now with somebody?
0: Well, Like I said about having sex, you know, I have a hard time telling people, you know, if if they're creepy or not, and I have a hard time knowing if, they just want to have sex or if they want a relationship. I would like a relationship. I'm ready for one.
1: Yep, absolutely. And that's something we'll talk about more and work on more. Mm -hmm. You know, this is too broad of a subject to just come down to um, one hour of talk, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) An entire lifetime of what you've been through, which has been a lot, honey. I I just can't thank you enough, Michelle, for coming in and speaking with Julie and I and um, Jessica. It was just wonderful and so enlightening for so many people
0: Thank you. I'm very honored. Yeah,
1: well, it, you, you've told a great story, and we hope to have you back at some point. Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. I would love it. Yes, absolutely. Um, Julie, I want to thank you, honey, for Aww, another great thank show. You. Um, Jessica, thank you to our engineer, our great engineer. Thanks. I want you to remember, this too shall pass, so let's just fight for a life, okay? I'll see you on the pod. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.